When we enter into the the space of of silence of retreat life, and for some of you, you've been here a week or two, some for months, and others for just a couple of days. <coughs> but whenever we enter into this space of silence and of what is asked of us to to be here. We are being invited to engage with a invitation or with a we could say a opportunity that challenges us in many ways. And one of the areas, one of the aspects of what is called from us or called of us in the situation can be reflected on in terms of the word or the the process of surrender. What does surrender mean for us here? It's something we perhaps more easily or commonly associate with more (coughs) devotional or theistic type spiritual practices where one is imagining oneself surrendering to the deity or to the master, whoever she or he may be. And for a lot of people who come to meditation retreats, certainly I think for myself in early years, surrender didn't really sound like something that had much to do with what I was interested in. And maybe that's something that resonates for yourselves. And yet for me over the years it's become very clear that it's an essential element and a profoundly transformative element of what is called forth from us through practice and in the situation here, being on a retreat. It's like we think of being on retreat or coming on retreat. It's almost like stepping back from the battle. A classical use of retreat in the sort of martial situation is stepping back from the battle. We come on to retreat and it's sort of, ah, yeah, we're not kind of picking up so strongly the, in a way, the unconscious conflict, or sometimes it's not so unconscious, conflict with life that can seem to predominate so much of the time. So the sense of retreating into something more simple, something more open. And yet, nonetheless, within that, we could perhaps see that there's a there's a greater degree of that same movement that is expressed in the, in the concept and in the possibility of surrender. Well, we don't just back off from the conflict or the struggle with the way things are, but we very consciously and courageously give it up completely 
And this is really what surrender is speaking to, the possibility of surrender is speaking to. So it's useful to distinguish here that we're not, and certainly I'm not talking about that traditional form of surrendering to rules, to authority, to some external being or person outside of oneself. And we're probably all very aware of the the dangers and the, the history around that form of surrender where people have at times felt hurt, disillusioned and had their trust disrespected. Gurus and institutions in this regard don't have a great track record for being places that one can wisely surrender to. So surrender is also not a case of giving up in any sense of a resignation or a hopelessness. It's not about, oh, I can't do it, there's no point. And yet, at the same time, there is a reality in we can't do it, there's no point. But not from a place of resignation, but in fact from a place of understanding that seeing that truth is liberating, is freeing for the heart and for our lives. Understanding what it is that we are called on to let go of. So we're not surrendering to something external here. We're not giving up or abandoning the the passion, the ardour, the enthusiasm of our engagement with experience, with life, with the possibility of discovery, of awakening, of freedom. Not surrendering any of that, and yet noticing what it is that engages in conflict with life. How it is we come to be conflicted within ourselves or in relationship to external situations or personalities. On retreat, surrender involves a a giving up of our tendency towards personal preference of wanting things a particular way giving up to the schedule and the form to just practice sitting walking standing being present in each moment is a surrender of the the wish to do it our way do it my way It's an interesting balance to be found here in the context of a personal solitary retreat. It's this form where one actually gets to find the form that works. That we don't have to all go along with the same schedule, although there's that possibility in the hall. But what is it to find a sense of attunement to what really allows us to deepen, 
to really attune, to be sensitive, to attune to what's the form and the framework for yourself, for each of us, that really supports this. Without thinking I have to do it according to some external idea of that or the way other people do it, very easily we create a sense of a social convention and start to feel some degree of pressure from that. So finding what really works, what's the attunement for oneself, and yet without that becoming somehow casual, or it doesn't really matter, because it does matter. Giving ourselves wholeheartedly to this practice, surrendering to the silence, to the immediacy of life, This is a moment-by-moment undertaking. And in some ways, it expresses and encapsulates the entire path. The whole of what we're engaged in. And seeking to wake up. As we learn more and more what it means to surrender inwardly, to be present with our life each moment as it is, we start to see the potential for the end of conflict. That this is not dependent upon a change in circumstances externally or internally, but on our Capacity to connect with an inner orientation. That understands there is something in this moment and in each moment and in every moment which is worthy of, we could say, bowing down to. talk about insight meditation sometimes as a wisdom practice. And the Dharma sort of teachings is more of a, a wisdom tradition than a, for instance, devotional tradition as a, as a contrast to that. And again, that might suggest that, oh, no, we don't do surrender, we do insight here. And yet what does insight really show us? What are the most important things we've understood? They're inevitably to do with letting go of positions, letting go of reactions, letting go of views and of identification. And that process of letting go, in its essence, is one of surrendering. Surrendering, releasing the urge to hold on. So we're asked to surrender our attachment to what we want to be happening. It doesn't always happen that way, does it?
we are asked to surrender our attachment to what we expected, even if it wasn't what we wanted. Sometimes we expect things that are unwanted and nonetheless we hold on to that. What might it mean to let go of our expectations for either the desired or expectations with regard to the undesired? To not assume we really know what's going to happen or what would be, in fact, the right thing to happen for our greatest well-being. So easily we have pictures or ideas about what would be best. As if we somehow could be certain with regard to anything of the future what its effect would be. When in fact we can't really know. We don't really know. So not surrendering our commitment, our aspiration with regard to our own well-being and the well-being of others, the well-being of life. And yet separating that from the way in which we tend to think, imagine and conceive, we know how that could or should be brought about. And in saying that I'm not Suggesting one undermines or negates the, the faith one might have and practice in the forms and the tools and the vehicles that the Dharma offers for transformation. But the way in which we think it should look as we go through the process, the way it should feel, what it should be happening, what should be happening in terms of our experience, so easily we conceive in terms of this and hold that against our experience to make a comparison. I think I mentioned this on the uh, second morning of the retreat, but it's worth just naming again that on the night before he awakened, What happened for the Buddha in his experience, if you read it, not from a sort of a mythological, um, idealizing sort of, wow, wasn't that an amazing battle? He must have known he was going to win all the way. You actually look at it and think, actually, what happened? That was extremely challenging and probably right on the edge of what was possible for that human being right there, the way it's described. All very well from hindsight, we know the outcome. But in the experience of it, of what that was, extreme challenge. And so, if one should take the experience of challenge, of difficulty, as evidence that somehow this isn't what's supposed to be happening or where I'm supposed to be, one could be mistaken. And that's just a perhaps more obvious example of how we conceive or imagine of how our experience should look. 
the Buddha spent a lot of time being very calm, very quiet, very peaceful in his earlier years of practice when he trained in in the uh, absorptions, samatha. And yet that was not the place in which the full flowering of awakening took place. It was in the very fire of facing, we could say the demons of the mind, the forces of greed, of hatred, of delusion. And so we're here asked to surrender the idea that we know where we are. That we've got to a certain point and we've got somewhere yet to get to. Or that we haven't got to anywhere and we've got to get somewhere fast. Whatever it might be. What would it be like to let that go? To make this experience right here in each moment and every moment the place to which we commit ourselves wholeheartedly and abandon, surrender and let go of anything that calls us to something else, to somewhere else. So it's not in this, the surrendering to the power and the pull of grasping, of craving, of desire, of aversion, resistance, and negativity. Not surrendering to the disconnection and the confusion and the doubt that may sometimes arise in our minds. but neither identifying with it, surrendering the tendency to take this to be me, to be who or what we are, to be something which we are compelled to either resist or enact, to be able to see clearly the movement of the mind in its reactivity as not ultimately what we are, And equally to see the mind in its clarity, in its steadiness, is not something that we can possess or own. Giving up the tendency to take hold of whatever it is that's coming, whatever it is that's revealing itself. Not an easy invitation. But this is possible for us all. To really let go of defining ourselves by the content of our experience. And in many ways this is what surrender is about. We are equally asked to surrender to the reality of each moment, of each experience, in terms of its nature. That experience is changing. Seeing how easily we resist that. 
surrendering to the reality that no experience can give us lasting satisfaction. And how we cling, it can seem, to the hope that soon there will be that moment which will, that experience which will give us lasting satisfaction, which will be the place we can land, we can stay, we can make a permanent refuge in experience. It's hard to let that go. Not at all easy. And in that surrendering to the selfless nature of experience, the fluid, interdependent conditionality in and through which life emerges, in and through which consciousness is revealed, and this very moment known. What does that ask of us? To surrender to this? To really allow one's heart to rest. Because so far as we do not surrender to the truth of change, impermanence, anicca, to the reality that experience cannot give lasting satisfaction, teaching the truth of dukkha, and that there is no fixed place or point within it that we can locate ourselves, that is not totally woven into everything else. Understanding of anatta, of selflessness, the selflessness of all things. So far as we are not attuned and aligned with that, we are in conflict with the way things are. And our heart experiences that conflict as immensely painful and deeply longs for the end of this conflict, deeply yearns for the peace of surrender. Can you hear all right? Just a little more volume. Surrender doesn't mean that we can't at times make appropriate adjustments to our situation. Oh, I can't hear. I could just surrender to that. That's true, one could. But actually, sometimes the real surrender is surrendering the what might be mild discomfort with acknowledging what's actually going on and uh, addressing it. And sometimes that's the, the greater surrender. I think for myself, for many years, I practiced an unskillful version of surrender which said, never make a response to make any kind of change to situation, just deal with it the way it is. And in that not really fully understanding the appropriateness of surrendering to the, the natural responses that come that may wish to bring about healing and well-being in our hearts and our lives and our world. 
So surrender can sometimes become misunderstood or confused with passivity, and it's certainly not that. Surrender is, in fact, an incredibly active and vital mode of engagement. So we're asked to surrender our ideas about who we are. Who we have been, who we are, who we will be. Where does it leave you if you let those go? What might happen? In the next moment, if we didn't have a definition of who we are, that we entered it with. It'd be interesting, wouldn't it? And sometimes, of course, we have to surrender to the sense that I can't surrender. I can't do that. It sounds like a nice idea, or maybe it doesn't sound like a nice idea. But sometimes the feeling is, and I remember speaking about this at various times with practitioners, the sense of, I want to surrender and I can't. I so need to surrender and I can't. And what is that? But really another opportunity to surrender to the fact that right now, whatever we're conceiving as surrender, and it will be a conceiving, we can't make it happen. There's a really sort of useful, though mildly embarrassing humility in seeing how much of what's going on we really can't make happen. Despite all our very well-intentioned efforts. Sometimes when we have that sense of the I wanting to surrender, we see the inherent impossibility, the very sense of self, of I, in its manifestation, in its construction, in its expression, is essentially the absence of that surrender. And so, of course, I can't and doesn't surrender in the same way that I can't and doesn't wake up. What surrenders and what wakes up is not that which we call I, which calls itself. Self. Me. And yet it happens. Surrender happens. Waking up happens. As the words of a of a haiku express only trust. Don't the leaves flutter down just like this? 
Only trust. Don't the leaves flutter down just like this? So how does it come to be that this mind full of craving, full of resistance, full of views and opinions, how does this mind surrender? How does it let go? So much we long for this. Even if it's even if we don't necessarily always realise our heart's longing for this. How does it come to be? As we reflect the light of awareness reveals our experience, as we reflect upon what we see, what is revealed, over time it starts to become clear that the battle is unwinnable. This sense of self in its endeavour to control, to manipulate, to maintain conditions, to avoid conditions. It's never going to actually work in the way we hope or imagine it might. We can calm things down for a while, open things up for a while, Things can get very transparent. And there's a lot of value, a lot of wonder, a lot of beauty. And a way in which we are touched profoundly and transformed by all of this. The quieting, the opening, the clarity and the seeing that comes. And yet in the end... There is a process of confronting the reality that we are not in control of all of this. That we, as we conceive ourselves, cannot make it happen. And the letting go, the surrender, really happens, I think, only as and to the degree we really see that that is so. That so long as we hold on to some vestige of hope, 
that I can and at some time in the future will produce the results that I'm looking for. So long as we keep up that illusion, then we struggle, we battle, we conflict, we're in conflict. With the reality in which that's not how things work. And again, in saying this, I'm not meaning to negate or deny the the power and the importance of cultivating the wholesome and the capacity that is genuinely available to us for deepening in understanding, in wisdom, in kindness and compassion, in equanimity and peace. All these remarkable, beautiful qualities and capacities can and do grow deepen and develop in our hearts as we practice. And yet, the truth of it is that it's not something we make happen. It's not something we can claim to have produced. So in one sense surrender is a way to understand what it means to die in the moment. Whatever it is that we will do and have to do, be called on unstoppably and unarguably to do at the time of death, when we have to surrender everything we have, that we're invited to engage in before we come to that point in our life where we have no longer the choice and perhaps then either neither the opportunity to to enjoy and to benefit from the fruit of that surrender and so what is it to to die now, to let go. Letting go of control, letting go of holding on, letting go of resisting. We may wonder what it is that surrenders, what it is that is surrendered to. And ultimately, there is no separation between those. What we let go of is the illusion of that separation that sets what we call ourself apart from life. And only in that surrender can what we call ourselves, life in this particular expression 
and location fully know what it is to be indivisibly part of the wholeness and the fullness of life just as it is. So surrender is not a surrender into captivity, but into freedom. To die into this moment completely is to receive our life fully. So there's another five minutes or so before the end of this period of practice. You can sit quietly, reflecting if you wish, or continuing with your meditation. May we all come to know in our practice and our lives the deep peace and freedom of the heart's surrender for our own well-being and for the welfare of all beings. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.